Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, unwanted pets and relatives, greetings. It is I, your favorite social studies teacher, Mr. Palumbo, and this is the Professor Liberty Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, folks. I really appreciate it. You know, my wife has heard that opening line once or twice, and uh, the other day she said, what are you supposed to be, some kind of circus leader? You got to love that spousal support, right, folks? So, uh, you know, I don't even know where that line came from. It Just like Professor Liberty itself, it kind of is just a sporadic thing. It kind of just, the big bang, it just came into being. Uh, just to get that out there, folks, if you'd like to email the show, the email is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Don't hesitate to send me your history your government, your economics questions. Heck, you can throw in a little geography if you want, if, if, if you're feeling a little froggy. You know, us social studies teachers, we don't, we don't get enough credit, if I do say so myself. I'm often asked what subjects I teach, and after listing them all, people will say, wow, that's a lot. And I reply, I know. In my career, I have taught world history, U.S. history, government, economics, international affairs. I've even taught physical science and P.E. Now, those last two were out of necessity, mind you. And I have to be honest, I thought P.E. would be a lot easier to teach. It wasn't. So today I thought we would discuss a little literature today. We're going to discuss and analyze, dive into some literature. And I want to look at a key component in one of H.G. Wells' classics called The Time Machine. And I want to relate it to our culture today. Today's episode is called The Rise of the Eloi. Now, anyone who follows this podcast regularly knows that we love classic movies here at Professor Liberty, probably more than we love classic fiction in books. I've never been much of a fiction guy. I'm much more of a nonfiction guy. But there is value in analyzing and discussing and dissecting fiction, and in this case, science fiction. Think about all the ways science fiction authors have predicted the future, and they've gotten pretty darn close. You know, just off the top of my head, I can think of Jules Verne and his depiction of the submarine in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Or you've got Huxley's uh, predicting genetic engineering and his classic Brave New World. Shoot, at this point, can someone tell me what George Orwell got wrong regarding modern life and today and the surveillance state and the police state that we are experiencing? Right up there in this conversation of classics and uh, science fiction novels and literature, I want to talk about H.G. Wells and The Time Machine. Now, I've read The Time Machine. It's not a very long book. Uh, You can get through it in a very short time. And I've also watched the 1960s movie starring Rod Taylor, who uh, recently just passed away, actually. And I must say, the movie does a really good job, and it does the book justice. I know that doesn't happen most of the time, but the book does a pretty good job. or I'm sorry, rather, the, the movie does a pretty good job getting the essence of the story. The book is a story about a scientist who lives in the late 19th century. Well, he's more like an inventor. But anyway, at the turn of the century, he unlocks the mysteries of time travel. Personally, the scientist is unimpressed with the age in which he lives. I can relate. 
and he hopes to find a better version of humanity in the future. Now, there's a lot of subjects the book touches on, from war to nuclear weapons to social class to inequality. I'm not going to touch on any of those today in this podcast. What I want to talk about is the group of futuristic humans the main character meets in the year 802,701 A.D., and these people are called the Eloi. Now, when the time traveler arrives to this futuristic age, he knows about the he knows about World War One. He knows about World War Two. He knows about the usage of nuclear weapons. In the story, he's already passed through that time. Uh, there's a nuclear holocaust that has occurred, so presumably the whole human civilization has been wiped out. So in a, in this world, the traveler arrives. He finds a very pristine kind of Garden of Eden place. The climate is comfortable. There's abundant fruit growing on trees. There doesn't seem to be any other animals. There's no pestilence. There's no bugs. There's no mosquitoes. It's a very quiet place. The traveler notices that the time machine is parked right outside some kind of temple-looking structure. He bangs on the steel doors, but nobody answers. So he decides to go exploring. Now, later on, that temple is where the, uh, the Morlocks live, but we're not discussing the Morlocks today. Now, how he meets the Eloi goes something like this. He, he comes upon a group of teenage-looking people relaxed by a river. They're conversating. They're laughing. Some of them are sitting on large boulders in the middle of the river. And upon looking at this scene... The traveler marvels at what he sees as human, humankind, mankind, finally finding utopia. All work and worry are gone. And it seems like, like humans have figured out how to overcome the dregs of existence. Suddenly, though, one of these individuals, a young lady, slips and falls into the river. The water is moving pretty fast. I mean, it's not a raging rapid, but it's moving pretty fast, pretty decent. This young lady can't swim. So she cries for help as the water carries her away. All the other people can hear her scream and they turn to see her in distress, but nobody moves a muscle. I mean, nobody tries to help her. They all just watch this poor soul get swept away by the water. At one point, the water even pushes her against another boulder, and two men, two males, are sitting on the boulder. They literally just look at her. They do nothing to help. Completely dumbfounded, the traveler rushes to the banks of the river and demands to know why nobody's helping this poor girl. Saying They say nothing. And again, they hardly move or show any expression whatsoever. Finally, the traveler dives into the river and saves the girl. He finds out the girl's name is Weena, but she doesn't know how to spell it, so he shows her. And eventually, they take the traveler to their home, which, again, I'm, I'm talking about the movie, is this large banquet hall-type place. They always hurry home before it's dark because some Eloi always disappear during the night, and they're never found again. And, uh, and that makes the Eloi, you know, afraid of the dark. However, they don't really care to know why the Eloi disappear. They just know it happens. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the description of these Eloi. 
According to the book and according to the movie, they're all short, and we've learned already they're extremely apathetic. They're rather dim-witted. They're all young, as if no one reaches a certain age. And they all look alike, too. They all seem to be not very interested in the stranger. They'd ask, they ask the stranger no questions. And in fact, in the movie, they start wondering why the stranger himself has so many questions. As if questions have no place in society. The traveler asks them about what sort of government they have, and they reply, they have none. The traveler asks, do they work? They say no. The traveler asks, how do they get their food? They say, it just always grows. And the simple clothes that they wear are also supplied to them as, as if by magic. Finally, the traveler asks the, the Eloy if they have any books. So he might perhaps read these books and so he could learn more about their civilization. And they take him to this kind of library looking place. And the traveler reaches for a book on the shelf and it dissolves in his hand. In fact, every book he touches turns to dust. H.G. Wells paints us a picture of a human race that is entirely disinterested in learning or knowledge. They don't wish to advance in wisdom or knowledge. They don't wish to learn. They don't wish to grow. They are completely content with simply existing. They eat, they sleep, they breathe, they procreate, and that's it. They don't have a care in the world. They barely care about themselves, let alone others. Sure, it's true that the Eloy, you know, there's no war, there's no disease, but there's also no passion, no ambition, no curiosity. Ladies and gentlemen, I must confess, every year I spend in the classroom, I see the rise of the Eloy. We have more and more young people who can't read, who can barely write their names. They are more and more disinterested in pursuing the greater questions. They could care less about school or work or finding meaning in life. And they certainly have no desire to ponder the mysteries of the cosmos. Our ancestors gazed at the stars while we seemed to only gaze at our screens. A 12th grade graduate today can barely write an essay, let alone count out change or get to school on time. And more and more young people are just like the Eloy. They have no desire past the here and now. They don't care about meaning. They don't want to know about value. They could care less about things like courtesy or community or respect. Heck, barely anybody at high school has a car. They can't even drive a car. They don't care about getting a driver's license. When I was their age, that was the thing you wished for and hoped for and prayed for. Is to, you wanted your driver's license. Kids today... They could care less. They could care less about dating. They could care less about getting a girlfriend, a boyfriend, any kind of friend. Young people today aren't marrying. They're not having kids. They're not buying houses. They're not doing anything, and they don't care that they're not doing anything. Today, we live in the most technologically advanced era in history. And did you know that literacy rates are falling in this country? According to Stacker.com, quote, despite general improvements to attainment and enrollment rates in the U.S. education in the last century, adult illiteracy has remained stagnant 
over the past decade and is up from a century ago. In fact, 13% of the U.S. population is illiterate compared to 6% in 1919-1920, unquote. Now, this rise in illiteracy corresponds with higher expenditures per student, as well as more access to books. 91% of of schools in the United States have a library. So in other words, let me dumb it down. Even though more money is spent on each student today, and each student has more access to books and literature, literacy is declining. We also see the rise of the Eloy regarding general apathy. And we've talked a little bit about this. But just this week, there was a story that broke about a woman who was assaulted on a public train in Philadelphia. And her assault lasted 40 minutes while onlookers did nothing. Reports are that people didn't even call the police. They just stood around and took videos and took pictures on their phone. Just like the Eloy by the river, they showed no concern for someone in distress. Finally, according to the report, a police officer, God bless him, noticed that what he saw was a crime. He, he noticed something going on and he thought it was a crime. And he pulled the man off the woman and detained him. And this happens while a growing segment in our population despise and wish to defund the police. Here's a quote from USA Today. Quote, police and other officials were troubled that no one witnessing the assault intervened and held a press conference reiterating the need for people who see something unusual to report it immediately, even anonymously, or through the emergency buttons on trains, unquote. So there's a button on a train you can push. Nobody did. And this apathy has infected every aspect of our society. Why are all these political scandals why, why is no heads rolling? There's a political scandal every month, scandals that would make what Richard Nixon did look like a Boy Scout, and there's no action taken. No one goes to jail. Why? Nobody cares. Why does the media get caught in lie after lie after lie, and nothing happens to them? Why? Because nobody cares. How can a woman be brutally assaulted on a public train? How? Because nobody cares. Like the Eloy, we live in this easy push-button world where almost any desire can be instantly gratified, as if by magic. In a life of pleasure, we don't need to bother ourselves with trivial things like honor, community, integrity, wisdom. We don't need, you know, reading. We don't need writing. We don't need art. We don't need science. We don't need religion. We don't need anything our ancestors depended on because we have the internet. I want to leave you with uh, Rod Taylor. So he's the guy in the movie that plays the traveler. He has this monologue and he, he really does this monologue after he comes to the conclusion that the Eloy are utterly useless. And I think as we read this, ponder what he says, because he could be talking to us, those of us who are still, you know, uh, with eyes open, at least. He says this, quote, Thousands of years of building and rebuilding, creating and recreating, so you could just let it crumble to dust? A million years of sensitive men dying for their dreams, and for what? So you can swim and dance and play? I'm going back to my own time, 
and I won't even bother to tell them their useless future and their hopeless struggle. But at least I can die among men. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. I also have stickers. If you give me a written review and you text me your information, I will send you a free Professor Liberty sticker. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Liberty.